Yeah. I see the moon, and the moon sees me. The moon sees somebody I like to see. Down at the edge, I got it. The deep blue sea, the moon shines brightly down on me. Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. Up the moon. Anyway, so you and I are like sisters, but we also have <laughs> my biological sister here today, which is very exciting. We've never done a, a in real time um yes. guest. So this is super fun. <laughs> hey. Thanks for having me. So we're closing some loops from our I am the tower and the star conversation when um you know we discussed the passing of our mom um and so the moon bears a lot of relevance to later life and the spiritual realms um so the moon's themes are truth versus illusion subconscious versus conscious Dreams versus waking, wild versus tame or domesticated, covert versus overt, intuition versus logic, and creativity, imagination, fluctuation, escapism, avoidance. So I know we were going to talk about some of that too, <laughs> those shadowy things. Um, you brought up the shadow because that's yes, really- yeah. in the moon reflects the shadow of the sun oh wow yeah and so yeah shadow and shadow is just such a huge theme around the unconscious the unseen the dark where the light is found Um, the qualities overall of this archetype empathy sentiment memory very feminine nurturing associated with mother and motherhood um, basically because of the the lunar phases and how it grows and swells with the tides and you know like a growing um, womb uh let's see so I just wanted to weave some things together Madeline had mentioned the ways that our mom was like the moon and so I kind of mixed something she said with what I'm saying. So here it is. Unlike the sun producing its own light, the moon illuminates, reflects the light of others in a way our mom knew how to do so well. Mermaids, pearls, oceans, depth, um, and retreating. When I did an interview, which was like our fifth episode with my mom, 
and you edited, Sarah, it was so moon centric. And I even put a picture of a moon as the, you know, blip for the for the episode. And I just remember I had wanted to have her back on. And I was like, gosh, there's so much moon stuff that because, you know, we talk about insomnia and things we see, things that go bump in the night and our struggles with darkness and, you mm-hmm. know, I just, yeah, there's so much relevant to, um, to her. So should we with that, her, should, we ask her, huh? should, she, should we ask if she wants to join us? Of course. I mean, I'm sure she already. Yeah. This has got to be so exciting. Yeah. Just put it out there that um, we'd love for her to be a part in whatever capacity she would want to. That's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. Well, with that, Madeline, I'm going (laughs) to hand it over to you. Thank (laughs) you. Uh, And I I love the connection with the moon and motherhood. Um, It so happens that our mom was out helping me with my second born, my son, uh, right at the time that she received her cancer diagnosis. And so for me, this experience of um, having a a baby, and then um, he was about four months old when I went to kind of unexpectedly assume a role uh, of caregiving for our mom. He was about four months old. And there's just an interconnectivity of the the two of them, this linking that I know Eliza has spoken to in other episodes, um, that um, their connection and and my motherhood and connection with with our mom and how that those roles were kind of inverted and folding inside out, um, but in a really um, meaningful way. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I ramble a bit. Um, That's what we do I'll here. Try to, <laughs> I'll try to pick out some, some things. So um, I think I'll start by just talking about sort of night. Can I, can I say and, something really, yeah. really quickly? So I just wanted everyone listeners to know. So Madeline is currently chasing her now. Uh, 10 months, 10 month old. Um, <laughs> who is quite mobile now and <laughs> getting around. And so she's, that's why she's, <laughs> you know, in and out of a stable um, breathing pattern. <laughs> but it's, it, thank you. It's very fitting to kind of what has been the nature of, of life since he has come along. Um, and I can just remember rocking him in early days um, when she was out here and in the hospital and just crying into this sweet little boy soul. Um, and I remember asking my friend, like, can a baby really absorb this much like sadness? Can, can he take it? I'm just holding him, cradling him, weeping. And he did, he just maybe moonlight just like absorbed and reflected back this like depth of you can go deeper you can feel more you can access more and so he has been really along this journey uh, along with so many others but I think talking about as an introduction just sort of the relationship with the night and the moon um, that our mom kind of she always made nighttime even though I know she was a long-term insomniac 
she always made it feel really celebratory and special. And (laughs) it's just very, some of my best memories or most uh, prominent ones are, yeah, of uh, when she would, when we would be up late and um, which was pretty much always like, I didn't have any bedtime. I grew up in the household of of teenagers my sisters were much older than I was born they had friends around and um so the night was just like sort of this special time and she would um like I can remember going to there was a 24-hour Kinko's copy and with her being a writing creative writing teacher and when we would go after dark to Kinko's it was like the most adventurous like I think so many of my like organizational like thrills come from this notion of just being like out late at night or um she would let me drive the car um in like the bilo parking lot late at night like as a as a kid maybe we were waiting on a sibling to finish band practice or something but like sitting on her lap controlling the steering wheel while she would be pushing the pedals was like also this like secret under the moon like adventure that we would have um and she she would sometimes work for the children's theater doing like costumes or painting and that had this labyrinth of a backstage Mm. space that if she was working late at night I would get like little little like blankets set up on the floor um or even in our in our dining room, if she was working on a sewing project, like it, it I would lay down on the floor, and I can just remember just nighttime felt so such an active and mysterious and and comforting space um, for someone. It's almost who, like yeah. time stands still or something. Yeah, which That's can be a- horrible in other contexts, but <laughs> when you're. Yeah in that loving space it's it's wonderful yes and I think something that was also very comforting um that I have struggled and thankfully uh, my sisters and Eliza especially have picked up um the like through the night time uh especially with like feedings with nursing babies and things like our mom was someone who you could literally text her at three 30 in the morning and she would respond. <laughs> so there was no, um, like there, that has been a process for me to, to break that habit or to, to build new ways to find comfort in the night, the way that she was able to. Yeah. Offer. She really was the moon, like watching in her quiet, soft way, like always yes. there. And there's that beautiful counterpoint of like, she did radiate so much light. uh, And I think, but she was so humble. And it was like these, these rays coming from all these different sources of the people, strangers, friends, family that she um, saw their light and, and, and integrated it into who she was and, and shown it back for them. Yeah. So that they could access it and believe in it. And yeah, I think you, you provided that line. And when I put our obituary together, that um, basking in a glow 
where you just felt like she made you, she just had such belief in people. So it, it, you ended up feeling like um, you didn't doubt <laughs> because she just provided this um, glow about um, it. It was a reflective it's weird. I was thinking about the reflective quality and the listening um, that is part of my social work training. And it's called reflective listening. So you reflect back what the person has shared with you in a way that engages them to start, you know, thinking about solutions or um, goals or things like that. But I think she just had that innate quality to her absolutely and I think there's in continuing that theme she also um is like the moon in in the sense of its connectivity to the ocean which I think was another piece that like our mom really at least for me like I so associate her with the ocean and her love of the ocean and this sort of uh, pulling of the tides and uh, way to kind of, again, illuminate this sort of um, glow around um, the mysteries of, of what's underneath the surface of the water oh, and within each person. I mean, I feel like that's the moon and, you know, it's a very, you know, the yin, yin yang, you know, yin is that very moon heavy energy, feminine energy. Um, and I just think finding the comfort in the darkness, you know what I mean? Like in the uncomfortableness of unknowing. I just think that's such a, such a, um, strength and my, from early on as the sort of performer, um, I really connected with this magical power that our mom had to sort of, um, paint magical scenarios and, fantasy like in the mundane like everything felt just imbued with wonder and had its sense of majesty even these things like doing the dishes or walking in the rain like she had this this gift of being able to um paint through her words through her visual art um, through the lens which she helped me to view view the world or I think supported others in viewing the world that was just seeing all that was all that was good Levi's um, chiming in here um, and it, it reminds me of a quote she used to say quite often in terms of this uh, too much sanity maybe madness and the maddest of all to see life as it is and not as it should be and that to me was is a a great summary of sort of how she in my lifetime kind of wove these tapestries of 
um, optimism and um, hope and and light uh, through these darker scenarios. And I think um, even in watching through end of life, that quality was really challenged because she wasn't ready to say goodbye. She wasn't ready to leave. She wasn't ready to stop. Um, seeing the magic that the world had to offer. Um, And so that was a difficult, I think, process to observe her, the sort of fading of the, or crumbling of the, the majestic illusion that she had been able to kind of, um, inscribe around her as she weakened um it was that work was being done more internally and so that was just a a difficult sort of space to to navigate or to observe really the sort of depletion of outward capacity to sustain that sort of illusion and what i later was able to gather is that I think as the work on the exterior became um, less in her agency, I think there was all this internal work that was happening uh, that was probably equally, if not more so um, intense and imaginative and sort of navigating all these spaces, but they, they became this very internal process, which for our mom, who was very social and outgoing and extroverted and connected to the world around her. um, That was one of the things that was difficult for me, I think, to kind of adjust rapidly to. And you, you did so amazing. And I, I want to say like, it's so interesting to tie back into what you said about a baby that you had just birthed, having to hold your sadness and reflect back joy um, and meaning in the situation, it harkens back to the fact that mom lost her own father to the same cancer when he was only 49 years old and I was in the womb. I was three months from being born. Oh, gosh, forgot what I was going to say. You were talking about. I had something to just chime in on. Um, yeah, go ahead. Just about that. As you both were talking about the babies, you know, kind of being around during that time of yeah. your heavy feelings. And um, and I'm thinking, you know, in my mind, those children are representations of the ancestors you know they are Mm -hmm. the children of the children's children of the children's children so they really hold the wisdom and so as we're sad and we're and they're just sitting there being like and what you were just saying Madeline with that quote that um that came up the reality versus what we think it should be you know that's where the that's where the children live in that presence and so they're, they're like the fool they're just yeah pure. so the sadness yeah. just it dissolves in their presence it's not it's not they don't even, have this negative association with it right so I just yeah. think you know in a way um but I'm wondering because I know um 
and I and I do hope that your mom, if she is hanging around here, will let us let me know, especially if I'm getting too. She uh, actually just personal. did right before we started recording. She, she did. Uh, she moved something on the counter. Chad yelled up and said, "I think your mom's here." And I was <laughs> like, "Oh, <laughs> right." Well, I think she'd let us know. Well, I guess what I was going to say is that I wonder if some of the struggles she might have been having towards the end um or towards that part of her journey um maybe she didn't have that strong a connection with her ancestors or grandmothers or you know like maybe because oh, the moon in carol bridges is it grandmothers it is it's the okay okay i was just trying to connect where yeah. you were coming up with that <laughs> it's really like you know in the ocean in the mm. rider weight is it is the ocean in the rider weight deck is it a part of that deck maybe not but Man. there's water right there's yes water. yes there is there is yes i had to picture it yeah so the water comes sort of represents the um universal consciousness or the the pool of all mind pool of knowing the pool of knowledge and um so yeah i don't know i'm just thinking about this connection of um the wisdom of the ancestors the wisdom of the children and this is funny because i've never thought of babies or children as ancestors until like you're so close just to now <laughs> so yeah i just think it's interesting that the wisdom we find in these right new beings in children is it similar or is it the same wisdom we find in the grant in the ancestors and the grandmothers and i wonder if it was maybe if it's more difficult for some people maybe deb to connect to that place of knowledge from the perspective of ancestors like she was very good at it when it came to children i don't know i that's a, a really interesting point. And I feel like I, I want to bring up though, though my daughter, Aaliyah, who was sort of, um, it was, it was her birthday that I ended up um, needing to go and, and start supporting my mom. And so I, I think not to leave her out of this, because I think she demonstrated this haunting understanding of life and death and after and um, was has really been a, a source of knowledge for me in sort of hearing the ideas she has about how we connect to people after they've passed away and things like that um, and just some of the images in her mind and when you know when she had to visit with with our mom and and watch her go through this journey just how intuitive and sensitive um that that a, a four-year-old could be um and i i feel like you absolutely are hitting on something sarah in that sense of there, there is this childlike and comfortability with our mom around the children and, and what she, her, her openness and ability to sort of connect on that level of, probably it's not the right word to say purity, but it is, it's just this, this innocence and pure, um, 
and wise and and that she really did relate to that and those were some of her happiest moments um heading towards end of life was time spent with her grandchildren whether they be the littlest ones or eliza's kids um and with that being difficult for mom and you being there you are more outward um extroverted social outgoing um types of personalities so i think strangely the effect of i always attribute it to attributed attribute it to the fact that i took in that sadness i learned the wisdom of that sadness when i was in the womb and firstborn and I was new and my mother was grieving her ancestor, you know, her brand new ancestor, the loss of her father, who she's now with. Um, I feel like that was where I was able to reflect and, and give back and shine. Um, Madeline helped me realize I did a better job being remote and, and it had the vantage point of like a moon and sort of, glowing in the presence of Madeline being there physically and I would get on the phone and I would talk to her in these different realms and it's I do believe it's because I had that sort of training from before I was even you know birthed so Mm -hmm. I just I think it's I think we all learn these different ways of um maybe in some ways it's coping maybe it's um just our approaches you know so that's like my the moon i could offer back is um is like sort of guiding in that difficult transition from you know where she was inward i'm already inward so i was able to connect to that yeah and help her cross over yeah i love that strange thoughts you're speaking to the open-ended definition of some of these things, you know, it's good to remember that sometimes it's not about figuring out, I don't know what's going on. It's so hard because you just kind of, you gave me a, a revelation of sorts that I can't really put to words, but just meaning that like, um, Um, like through your act of maybe of taking some of that on and maybe developing some um, defensive strategies or whatever it is around those um, challenging feelings that you took on. Um, yeah, it's that blessing curse thing, you know, exactly. the gift, gift curse, whatever. Yeah, but only someone like you who could see something like that as a as a blessing you know what I mean it the only thing well it's interesting because she uh, Madeline just talked about the sensitivity I used to draw antenna on everybody and I think I was just highly sensitive and h what is that called hsp and we have long known um that so is Aaliyah my niece Aaliyah uh, Madeline's daughter so it's a sensitivity and it's awareness of the wisdom that comes with that and how to use it, um, 
how to navigate with it. So it sounds like Aaliyah is very fluent, <laughs> let's say, in that language. I've always considered her, speaking of those initials, a high priestess herself. So mm-hmm. um, I thinking of this, the pull of the tide and the ocean and just the the urgency, like there was this urgency palpable urgency and I um I am a little bit that that sensation lingers with me that we saw our mom experiencing you know later in life and uh as in thinking of the ocean and the moon and the tide and that visceral pull between I think life and death and riding that current sometimes being dragged by that current in one direction or another parallels that other symbolic sort of logic versus intuition. And when I teach dance, I sometimes will ask the students to know when they're driving and when they're riding, when they are willing themselves to do something and when they are surrendering to the movement. And those ideas sort of linger with me as being a part of this life cycle, uh, moon cycle, um, end of life journey. So the chariot is associated with cancer, which is associated with the moon. That's the ruling planet. So I just thought about the motion, the movement, the trajectory of the journey of the chariot. And are you in the driver's seat or like us having nightmares that (laughs) that the vehicle is out of control? And how do we surrender in feeling so anxious? Um, Anyway, yeah, just just popped into my head, the chariot. Yeah. It's interesting to think of urgency as in like the tide. It's not, it's happening whether we have control of it or not, as is the, the death process. And so that dance between the tide coming in, tide coming out, the light coming and the darkness coming it's a very interesting like I'd never really thought about it in terms of urgency where there seems to be like time is a thing it's so interesting I'm thinking though that time has more to do with the sun I yeah I was thinking that too you have the sundial but it's a different time it's like an inner time that just like you said knows without us having to know it it's an unconscious time it's like the um the moon is the absence of time that is necessary for time to exist yeah yeah like empty space when you're an artist and you have to leave space or a musician timing yeah and definitely you know we have the gift of working with live musicians often in our classes and the sort of need to anticipate the musicality to arrive in in synchrony or in opposition to whatever 
the art, the musician is composing in the moment, um, there is that anticipatory, you know, to be able to ride the wave, you have to catch yes. it at a certain time. A crescendo, a crest. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yes. And I feel like, I feel like our other sister Chelsea has deserved a real shout out here in terms of helping to manage my sense of like easily getting sucked into the urgency and the frenzy of a perceived time frame (laughs) and panic um, the sense of panic yeah and sort of um she and I had had not spent a lot of time together uh outside of this process but really kind of her as this anchor of like it's one day at a time it's one moment and and what what do we need to leave what do we need to let go of right now and that was helpful to bear in mind through all of this as well um i I think that's really interesting because the the moon itself you know with um like rituals we do with the moon um the dark of the moon or the new moon the black moon when it when there's you know no light of the moon that is when we set our intentions when we plant things to grow for the cycle ahead with the moon and so when it gets to the full moon that is um when you let go of things when you say what no longer serves me and you release that because they're all brought into the light and now you're aware of them maybe so Maybe so, but it's a fullness. It's almost like birth, you know, it's almost like, well, this has been gestating and now I have to let it leak, let it expel. Um, I don't know why, but I kind of, and I know that we are um, focusing naturally on this episode around the conversation of, of your mom. I'm kind of, finding myself wondering how you both see or even I see the how the moon's doing its work in like our own life's trajectory you know what I mean like what is the moon how is the moon working with you right now or I don't know yeah I think this journey and this process has made me sort of respect I think I think people would describe me as like an open person and I strive to be very transparent on many levels Um, and I think the moon to me in my life right now is reminding me like I think I sort of am reframing the phases as this she's empowered to show you different facets of herself and I think as I have sort of come through or am continuing to navigate this experience in my life related to the loss of our mom and the caring for our mom um I think I'm sort of trying to be empowered by this moon-like notion of I don't have to reveal my fullness to everyone all the time. 
yet it is still there yet that open capacity I will strive to always keep open but I think in I think it's coming down to navigating grief in a workspace or navigating grief in front of young impressionable children there is just this level of maintaining you are I so, guess, performativity <laughs> you're so continuing what mom did <laughs> wow yeah so I, I think it's just real I don't think I ever realized that I had control over how much or how little I needed to expose or what parts of me I needed to access it was just like all pouring out of me all the time and like well this is just who I am how I am and it's just a flood of me um and so I don't feel like in a negative way oh I'm like learning to be more strategic or something but it's just it's sort of learning in a uh I don't have the right words um (laughs) I'm hearing discernment honestly and that's what Carol Bridges calls the judgment card it's like you're learning this ability to discern your I don't you know just how you I don't know just self-expression or um yeah the moon does have to do with expression doesn't it yeah I don't know I just thought that I think like the moons even if we're not even really sure of what it's the actual processes of growth are but that it's kind of drawing you to reflect on how to hold what what's what to hold for yourself and what to share with others my god and that's I mean to me that's like discernment and I mean it's one of the most liberating skills in my opinion you know discernment is when you kind of you kind of um it's like you're getting really close to understanding what like your most core beliefs and now you get to just kind of um seep in them you know yes that's beautiful and I think that's what it is I think as someone who is prone to obsessive work habits or like as curated by my discipline to like your body is your instrument you are dancing you are the dancer it's all happening in the same vessel it sort of set me up for this path of, um, I picture that children's book, The Giving Tree, like this path of ending up as a stump with nothing <laughs> more to give away. Yeah. And I feel like lately and these experiences and the influences of my, the teachings of my mom that keep on going, the influences of my sisters and people around me and just coming through this, that's exactly what, what do I, what, what can we give and what is essential to to hold or maintain um in sort of finding um healthier um space holds and and yeah that is so interesting because i i have been that has been my constant refrain to my husband like and i feel like he has recently like been he's he's able to put into words what has just been a frantic lashing out at the world 
in anger that I've been feeling um, just from everything I've been through this year. And so he put into words when I have recently said, I have nothing left. I'm depleted. He said, well, no, of course you have, you have things left to offer. You just need them for yourself right now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I do. I need to like fill myself back up in a moon cycle or more or plenty of moon cycles. But it's like, yeah, well, I think Madeline and I are both experiencing the same thing. And I had not even made that connection. Like we need, we need to retain some of that light for ourselves sometimes, sometimes more than others. Well, think about what our next, what the next stop on the journey is. And it's, So for some reason and thinking about the moon and all its multifaceted wisdom, this quote that mom used to say a lot came into the forefront of my thoughts and it's space is as nothing to the spirit, the deed is outdone by the doing. And for me, that speaks to the perpetual process that we are in as humans, um, as artists, as individuals and creatures. Mothers. (laughs) Mothers, yes, on this pursuit of a sort of a loop, a cycle, a, a learning, an undoing, a rebecoming that to me is is marked by the rejuvenation period that the night is intended to bring. I like how you say it's intended <laughs> <laughs> when we don't sleep, but it's intended right. for us to regenerate. Be and... restorative. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I just wanted to be sure to offer the prayer for darkness that mom had written. Um, because it was so significant to me because she was at my house and our aunt Chris had asked her to prepare a meditation for one of her um, in services and mom was really having that sort of state of, I, I have to figure this out. I have to get this done. It's not coming to me. And so she was staying up late into the night, trying to think of what she was going to write about darkness. And she wrote this, I mean, within, and I can I ask, where did that, yeah. come, where, like, where did this prompt come from? I don't we'd have to ask Chris um but but she was the one who chose it related to I believe related to whatever she was preparing for that week and I remember hearing about it and it was so uncomfortable for her to face darkness it was a really difficult assignment for her and she she really spent a long time I mean our mom was so creative she could like crank out poetry really effortlessly at different times I had observed her but this one was really a struggle for her and it was done before I believe before she was even feeling that 
unwell, um, as far as I know, um, but definitely like completed and, and quote published before um, going to the hospital or any of those things. And I ended up reading it to her in some of her final days. Um, and I just wanna be sure to share that. Let me let Levi. Prayer for Darkness by Deb Gerdot. Go in, go in my child, away from your savage cities of fire and stone. Wrap the sacred darkness around you like blankets and rest, sleep. And before the new tendrils stretch inside the dark seed and before the new hatchling stirs inside his dark shell, look up, sweet child, look up and see how brightly the stars shine above you in the black sky, the joy, the wonder, the music, and you will remember why you are here and the beautiful place we've been given. Music alone shall be
Shall live 